Praise the Lord. Amen. Now just before just before Brother Donnie comes, uh, we want to we want to make just a, a little statement here on behalf, and I believe I represent this entire group and groups from around the world. When I say this, thirty five years ago, I believe it's thirty five years ago this month in September of nineteen eighty seven, Brother Donnie and his family made it this way to take leadership and to be the pastor of Happy Valley. And I just want to say in 35 years, God has done some incredible things through the ministry in our lives. And Brother Donnie, not just this group, but groups from around the world that consider you their pastor. We're all glad to be your youngins, buddy. the Lord. 35 years. Is that all it's been? It seems like more than that. Are you sure, Brother Louie? It seems like 335 sometimes. Praise the Lord. We're so happy to be together again tonight. Talking about the wonderful things the Lord has done and memories that we have, both good and bad, I'm sure. I'm sure y'all not only remember the good things you've got. You probably remember some of the whoopings you've got from this same preacher too. So I'm sure you remember them like you remember your daddy whooping you. Y'all remember your daddy whooping you and your, your mama. Yeah, I do, I do too. I didn't enjoy them, but I'm, I'm sure I needed a whole lot more than I got. But let's turn tonight, if you would, to the book of Joshua chapter 18, verse 1. Um, as you know, already this will be our last service in this building, and we'll be resuming Sunday morning at the Holiday Inn at 11 o'clock, and then uh, Sunday and Wednesday. Wednesday will be 7 o'clock, and Sunday at at 11. We'll be there until we get the new place done, I suppose, so go out on me, is it good? Um, And just remember now, you know, being in a convention center, of course, it's a different setting and all that, but... A lot of the tapes that you listen to of Brother Branham was in convention centers, auditoriums, not in church buildings. He preferred church buildings, but many of them in that day, of course, they didn't have a building, churches big enough to be able to hold his crowd, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 10,000. So a lot of those meetings that you hear and rejoice in were in such buildings. So it's not that God is limited to being able to move only in a place that's called a church. The only thing that will hinder him from moving in the Holiday Inn is for us to believe he won't. So if we believe he's God in the Holiday Inn, like he's God right here tonight, no reason for him not to move exactly the same way. Also, we're going to pray, and before we do, I'm, I'm sure that most of you know that the hurricane has hit Florida, 
and it's on the western side near Brother Danny Steeman and some of the saints there. I was just in touch with him just a little bit before I, before I came to church, and a lot of high winds, a lot of rain, uh, electricity out, and a lot of things. Okay, devil. We're good. We're good. Yeah, we're, we're used to this. He wants to show out the last night. Well, that's good. We'll show out too. So we want to remember the saints there. It looks like it's going to go across the state of Florida, turn back east again, come back possibly into Georgia, South Carolina. So we certainly want to remember that. I think it's amazing, absolutely amazing, what I preached here Wednesday night about storms, typhoons, hurricanes, tornadoes. I mean, it's happened since last Wednesday night. We're at the end time, friends. We're truly at the end time. How many like to be remembered as we, as we pray tonight? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to be gathered together again, Lord. And we thank you for the wonderful times that we've had here in this place. We're so grateful. Lord, there's people standing here tonight that got saved. Some that got the Holy Ghost. I married many of them. I preached the funerals of many others. And it holds precious memories to us, Lord. But as we leave this place, we believe it's the closing of one chapter of our life and the opening of a new chapter of the continuation of our lives. So we're just asking you that you'd be with us and help us. Lord, we're mindful tonight of our brothers and sisters there in Florida. And Brother Danny is saying that many of the saints had gathered in different people in their church uh, as a storm shelter, and it was hitting that area really, really bad. We pray for Brother Jack Duff. The saints in that area, the different ones, Lord, that's being affected by this. May the Spirit of God watch over them. We know who's the cause of this, the prince of the power of the air. But may you watch over your children, Father, and keep them by your grace. You see our needs here tonight. Open our hearts. Speak to us by your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Joshua chapter 18, verse 1. I want to speak to you tonight on moving from shallow, moving from shallow, Joshua 18, 1, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there. Now, what you notice what this is called. So the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation. But this is the house of God, isn't it? Why are they calling it the tabernacle of the congregation? But yet it's called the tabernacle of the congregation. And most of the congregation never got to go into it, which is very unusual. It was only the priest that actually ever got to go inside. But it was called the tabernacle of the congregation. And the land was subdued before them. Now, notice the order of this. They go in, they conquer the land, and now the house of God, which is the house of the people, is set up as a sign of victory. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 21. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. Now, the word Shiloh means rest. The Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh 
by the word of the Lord. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. Worship in the Old Testament was so different, of course, than what we know it today. Starting with our patriarchal fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Noah, Job. It was very primitive in the way that we would look at it today. And even in what they would have identified as a place to assemble was no more sometimes than a stone altar located under a tree. They might go there one time and erect these stones and offer an offering unto God and make prayers to the Lord and worship and may never go back to that same place again. Yet they knew that it was sacred. They knew it was holy. And why was it holy? Because of the tree or the rock or the man praying? It was the God who met them at the altar. I want you to notice this in Genesis chapter 8 verse 20. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord. Now keep in mind in these first, in these first instances that we're going to read that an altar would be what we would relate to today in the way of a church because they didn't have church in the sense that we do until the New Testament. But it was a place by which the people was appointed and they would worship God and they would choose a particular name to call that altar or that location. Sometimes they would call the altar by that name. Sometimes they would call the location by that name. And then they would go somewhere else and they would choose a different name. So it isn't like that they would meet God at Bethel and then they would move from Bethel to Shechem. And then they would call the altar at Shechem the altar of Bethel. No, they would call this altar a different altar. Now each altar had a representation and it meant something by the name that they were inspired to call it. So they were not traditional in the sense of, well, if we call it Bethel here, we'll have to call it Bethel there and there and there or God won't meet with us. That was not their understanding of worship. Now, they had an understanding, and it might seem primitive to us today, but in some ways, I think it was superior to what some people understand about worship even now. So, this, of course, is after the Andalusian destruction, whenever Noah has been saved, and the animals has been saved, and his family, and Noah comes out, and Noah builds an altar unto the Lord. And the Lord smells the sweet-smelling savor as the offering is offered up to God. And whenever Noah does this, Noah builded an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So Noah, you can imagine how unusual it must have seemed that there's eight people on the earth alive. Millions have been annihilated. Noah and his family are the only ones left. 
how odd, how unusual, how strange it must have seemed, the eeriness and the loneliness to know that you are the only human beings that are alive on the earth. Didn't you, don't you imagine they really needed comfort from the Lord to feel such a void? When he went into that, there were millions of people alive. There were millions of people screaming for mercy and asking God to spare them. And he goes in the ark under that and he walks out with eight people left. Can you just in your heart think of what it must have felt like? So what did Noah do? When he comes out, one of the first things that he does is build a church. Now a church in the New Testament to us would be a similarity to an altar in the Old Testament if you look at it the right way. Now to many people a church is just a social place. It's a place where they gather together, they drink coffee, they have donuts and they talk about you know this and that and the other. But to a real worshiper the New Testament church is not that at all. But it is what? It's an altar. It's a place where they come to receive correction. It's a place, it's a hospital where they come to be prayed for when they're sick. It's a hospital for their spirit. It's a hospital for their soul. It's a hospital for the mental oppression and all the things they're doing. Is that right? So it is an altar where we meet God. Now notice this in Genesis chapter 12 whenever God goes to dealing with our father of the faith which at this time his name was Abram and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed will I give this land and there he built it notice what he does builded he an altar unto the Lord so every time God would make himself known to some of these patriarchal fathers watch what always happened an altar followed the appearing of God so for these folks who think they're getting closer to God and think they don't need to go to church that's exactly opposite of the Bible way well praise the Lord God appeared to Abraham Abraham built a church God gave Noah grace Noah built a church God appeared to Isaac Isaac built a church God appeared to Abraham he built a church he appeared to Jacob he built a church amen if God gets a hold of you you'll go to church well praise the Lord Notice now what God does. God says unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Now God is now making himself known to the first of the four foundation fathers. And we know that was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. God is building a masterpiece of the Old Testament. And there's four foundations by which this will be laid upon. And it starts with Abraham. Abraham. Abraham was faith. Notice in verse 8, and he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east, and there he builded an altar unto the Lord. Now why didn't Abraham, or Abram as he was known now, why didn't he just stay over there where he had already built that altar and not move? I want you to notice how 
that God in his progression with our patriarchal fathers that they didn't go just to one place and stop but God would leave them there and they would build a church or build an altar and they would worship God and stay there maybe for months or maybe a few years and then they would move on but when they moved on they did not leave their idea of God and fellowship back at the old church but that where they moved to they built a new church a new altar now notice what he done then the Bible says and there he builded an altar unto the Lord now he done this same thing in Shechem so wherever he went he worshipped God and offered God sacrifices so where Abraham I love this where Abraham had a tent God had to have a place Amen. Wherever Abraham had a tent, God had to have an altar as well. Because now this man might have been primitive to all we understand about God, but he did know this. If you want divine protection, you've got to have an altar for God. Now you can't live, whether you live back there in Mesopotamia, or whether you live in Johnson City, or Virginia, or wherever you live, there's only one way you're going to have God's divine protection. That's being his will. There is no safety without God having an altar. So notice how they would take their tent and they would take their tent and set it up in a certain location and whenever God would meet them there, what would follow? A church, an altar, a place of worship. So they didn't leave God at home on their vacation travels. Some folks go on vacation and boy, I'm telling you what, they live like a regular Laodicean when they get to the beach. They sip on wine a little bit and they strip off their clothes and do this and that and the other but Abraham believed wherever you go you ought to take God with you well somebody said praise the Lord now notice this pattern because it repeats over and over again uh, in chapter 13 verse 18 then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of memory which is in Hebron and built there an altar. Notice what's happening in this man's life. So no matter where he goes, so as he goes from Shechem and he goes over here and he goes over there, but everywhere he goes, he builds an altar. He just does not feel right about going anywhere without going to church. Why? There's something about a real believer, it burns in their hearts. Not just to have, well, this is my spot on the pew and this is my place. It's not that. And it's not even just being around one another it's being around one another but mainly being around God so he built an altar notice again when he goes up to Mount Moriah now this is a prophetic step of what's fixing to happen here now if you'll trace each one of these steps it's a beginning chapter in Abram's life and it closes a chapter in his life so moving from one altar to another and we could take these names but to save time as he moves from one place to another it is a progression of his walk with God but he never gets to a spot to where he don't feel like that he needs to go to church. It just makes you feel so sorry for those who feel like they're so revelated they don't even need to go to church anymore. They don't need preachers no more. They don't need fellowship. They don't need singing. Well, you're sure living outside of what Abraham lived. 
Is that right? Amen. Notice, so they're going up to Moriah, now him and his son, Genesis 22, 5, and Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. Yonder and worship. Now, Abraham knows that he has been given a commandment by God to kill this boy. How are you going to do that in worship at the same time? How are you going to do that? God had not given him the revelation, yet he's going to spare his son. As far as he's concerned, he's going there to kill his boy, but he says by faith, if I'm taking my boy up there and if I kill him, God will raise him up again, and me and him both is coming back down from that mountain. You see, it's really good to go to church because it gives you an understanding. Oh, my. That sitting at home and watching movies and filling your head with all kinds of trash and nonsense won't do for you. Notice he said abide here I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again Amen That's why we can believe for things that are impossible Notice in verse 9 And they came to the place which God had told him of And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. So now notice why don't he stay at the original place? Mount Moriah is going to be as you know. It's going to be the prophetic place of Solomon's temple. If he would have stayed in Bethel, if he would have stayed in Shechem, his own life was a prophetic utterance of the journey of the house of God. Don't you understand that it's so easy for us to just got all settled down and we just say, well, I don't want to go nowhere. I don't want to move. I don't, oh my, oh, I'm afraid God's going to leave us. Why would he leave us? He didn't leave Abraham. Whenever Abraham went from one place to another, he wanted to make sure God God was there. How was he going to make sure? Make him an altar. You folks want God to move with us to Holiday Inn? Make him an altar. You want him to move over there with us on Oklahoma Road? Make him an altar. If you have to go to Timbuktu, you want to make sure he's going to be there? Make him an altar. Why? He loves to have an altar built by his children. Hallelujah. Now notice what imprint this has on his son Isaac. Genesis 26, 23. And he went up from thence to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him. Now here this is Isaac. Dispensation has changed from the first patriarchal father to the second. In the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father, fear not. For I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Notice Isaac. And he builded an altar there. One of the first signs that an elected person has got into harmony with God. They go to church. And they build not only an altar in the church, but I'll tell you where the most important altar is you'll ever have. That one in your own heart. Praise the Lord. You see, what God had done was establish his altar in the heart of Abraham. And then Abraham makes a natural one, which is only a reciprocating part of what God has done. What does Isaac do? Exactly the same thing. 
God deals with Isaac by revelation. What does he do? With an outward show as water baptism as we do. So whenever somebody baptizes us in water, it don't put us in the body of Christ. It's only an outward testimony that we're saying, I'm doing this. Well, when you pray, when you raise your hands, when you worship God, you're showing people, I love the Lord and I'm not ashamed to praise him. I'm, 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 I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I'm identified. I am a worshiper. Well, praise the Lord. How do you know you are? Because I'm raising my hands and blessing his name. Then notice what Isaac does. He built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord. Isn't it amazing that the scripture does not mention he called on God's name until after he built the altar. And pitched his tent there. So this was his home church. <laughs> Glory. Hallelujah. Hey, that's a good place to live where God is. He pitched his tent there and Isaac's servants digged a well. Now, let's watch his son, Jacob. And he was afraid. Now remember, this is when Jacob, of course, had fled from his brother Esau. And he goes out into the land here. And he's a stranger going to the land. He's going over, of course, into Mesopotamia. And he's going, we know, to get a wife and all the program of God for his life. But he comes out through there and he's in this strange place. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? Now remember, he went to sleep and he pulled up a rock for a pillow, which seemed to be a strange pillow to me. But he pulls up a rock and goes to sleep. And then when he goes to sleep he sees this ladder descending from God out of heaven and he sees angels coming up and down on that ladder and then Jacob wakes up and he was afraid and he said how dreadful is this place this is none other but the house of God now listen and this is the gate of heaven but was it No, it wasn't. Now he thought this was literally God's house and thought this particular piece of ground was the gate to heaven. Man has always looked for a natural spot to the gate to heaven. Now look at his primitive understanding of heaven and what God is. We know the prophet tells us that the ladder that Jacob saw was the Lord Jesus. It was not that vicinity. But Jacob thinks, oh my goodness, this is the literal gate. So if I stand here long enough, maybe I'll be able to go up to heaven from here. That was not the house of God. Because when Solomon built the temple, he didn't build it there. Praise the Lord. Now for those of you that think everything the prophet says, thus saith the Lord, you might need to read your Bible a little more. Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar. I'd like to preach that to you sometime. From a pillar to a pillar. And poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. Hmm. But the name of the city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying if yeah, typical for Jacob. If God will be with me 
and will keep me. Now I want you to notice these conditions that he's putting to God. He don't come to God wholeheartedly without reservations, but he puts all of these particular things before God. If God will do this and this and this and this, then I will serve him. Well, some of y'all should have said amen because some of y'all been just as hard-headed. If God will be with me and will keep me on the way that I go and give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, how many more things do you want, Jacob? Then notice what he said. If, if, if. So that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. So if he answers all your requests in that divine order that you orchestrated, then you'll serve him. That is not a person who's serving him wholehearted. Jacob was not giving his whole heart to God. Can't you see why he was a deceiver even out there when he gets there? Why? Look at the conditions he put to God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. But it wasn't. It never was. Well, I'm sorry y'all didn't know this was in your Bible. (laughs) Now, what does he want to do? He wants to make this place. But God never chose that place to put his name. That's the way a lot of folks are when it comes to a church. Well, well, well. And all that he shall give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. And you know what's amazing? When Jacob actually comes back from Mesopotamia, he waits 10 years, 10 years before he ever goes back to Bethel. Why? He wasn't serving God with his whole heart. Now, according to what he said, God, if you'll bring me back, boy, I mean, the very day I get back, I'll go up and I'll give my heart to you. I'll tell you one thing. I'll quit you in my back or I'll quit smoking. I'll quit dipping. I'll quit this and that. And the Lord, I promise. And God knows you're a lion between your teeth, boy. You ain't telling me the truth. God knew Jacob wasn't telling the truth, but he was chosen of God. Amen. Amen. He did not keep his word, but God kept his word. You imagine 10 years, 10 years. Genesis 35, 6. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan that is Bethel. He and all the people that were with him. So now he finally comes back. Ten years after he gets back in the promised land. And he built there an altar. And he called the place El Bethel. Ah, there's hope for him. The word El Bethel means the God of the house of God. (laughs) Woo! You didn't get it. The God of the house of God. His first emphasis was what? The church house. His first emphasis was the place where he met God. But now he's come back and his emphasis is not the place, but the God of the place. Oh, hallelujah. It was not that little building, that little something. Oh, I hope we can leave this place here tonight and realize it's not this little building sitting on this hill. It's not Happy Valley. It's the God of Happy Valley. It's not Donnie Reagan. It's not Jackie Benton. It's the God of Jackie Benton. It's the God of Elijah. 
house of God. You see, some of you wouldn't be sad here tonight if we could have hired a moving company to come up here and jack this church up and run big iron beams under it and move it over to the new place. And by doing that, what would we accomplish? We still couldn't have no special meetings. We ain't got room for our own people a lot of times when everybody shows up. But oh, I love this. Oh, I love this. Well, for me, I want the God of the house. I want the God of the house. So no matter where I go, I've always got him, even when I can't take the house with me. Amen. Oh. Now, it's the God of the place instead of the place. Now, in his first wee days, his youth of him just meeting God, it was the place. Oh, oh, this is so holy. Oh, this is so sacred. It's so righteous. This one day will be the house of God. It never did become the house of God. It never will become the house of God. When the blessed millennium temple settles down and the new city that's going to come according to Ezekiel 44 through chapter 48, it will not set down in the land of us. It will not set down in Bethel. It will set down in Jerusalem. Why? That was God's chosen place. That was part of his journey, but not the end. You say, what's that got to do with Shiloh? Everything. Now let's look at a little bit of the historical background of Shiloh, or as in the Hebrew, Shiloh. Now remember, a prophetic utterance was made to the tribe of Judah. The law will not depart from thee, nor the scepter out of thy hand, till Shiloh become, which is a strange word, a messianic prophecy of Shiloh. But here, Shiloh was going to be a person, which is so strange because all they knew was a place. I love it when God takes a place and makes it a person. Hmm. You see, Shiloh was the religious and military capital of Israel during the times of the judges. The tabernacle resided in Shiloh. Now, when was the church moved here from Roan Hill? 69, 70, somewhere along there. Some of y'all been here for 20 years. I've been here for 35. Some of y'all been here for 50. Well, the tabernacle of Shiloh was there for 369 years. And God done so many wonderful things. Why would you ever want to leave it? Why would you ever want to leave Shiloh? It was the first place where the tabernacle became a permanent structure. Two million Jews would gather around Shiloh in the festivals. The Passover, Feast of Trumpets, Yom Kippur, Feast of Tabernacles, all the great feasts. Two million Jews 
They would dance. They would rejoice. They would shout. The great commands of God had issued for 369 years. Your grandfather was there. Your aunts, your uncles were there. You was there as a little boy. Then your children were there. And then one day, this shouting, jumping, hollering guy by the name of David gets the idea that this needs to be moved somewhere else. Praise the Lord. My, my. You see, the Ark of the Covenant was in the tabernacle at Shiloh. It had the Ten Commandments. It had Aaron's rod that budded. And it had the pot of manna. Where? In Shiloh. Mm -hmm. In Shiloh. In Shiloh, they cast lots to divide the inheritance in the seven tribes which had not received their inheritance yet. It was in Shiloh that Joshua cast the lots and Joshua, some of the last words of his dying breath was, how long will you wait until you go possess the land? Where was it? From Shiloh, the headquarters, that it began to open up to him. Why would you ever want to leave it? Think of all the memories they had. Think of all the good times they had. <laughs> At Shiloh, Hannah prayed for a son. And God gave her a promise. And she gave birth to Samuel, which was a prophet. It was at Shiloh that she took her boy back and gave her there to Eli, the priest, and told him what had happened at Shiloh. Oh, what memories, what great times. But yet, Shiloh was not the last place where they were going to worship. Aren't you glad, friends, that we have the ability to follow a God that moves as a pillar of fire moves? We just move right with him. Now, what a difficult thing it must have been when David gets this idea. You know what? We need to take the ark of God to the city of David. Now, you imagine some of the Shilohites. And they'd say, what do you say? He wants to take the ark of God to the city of David? I believe there's a selfish agenda here somewhere. What's wrong with Shiloh? My grandpa prayed here. Right here is where Hannah prayed for that prophet. Right here this happened. Right here the inheritance was divided. Right here this happened. Right here. But David said, I just, I'm feeling it. I'm just kind of feeling it. Now we know he went about it the wrong way. Right? Now you imagine what them complainers said then whenever somebody lost their life and they said, Oh, I knew it! I knew it! He was in the flesh! <laughs> Go ahead and pour it in, Jesus. I'll pour it out. <laughs> Notice this in 2 Samuel 6, 12. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom. Now he messed up, big time, right? Carried the ark the wrong way. But it still didn't change the desire that David had in his heart, because it was God motivating him. 
And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertains to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with sadness and sorrow. And they had to hand out extra boxes of Kleenexes because everybody was so sad and nobody could eat. No, that ain't us because we all do that very good. You mean to tell me he's removing the memory of Shiloh? And he's happy about it? Well, I'm sorry, you all. This wasn't what you thought you wanted to hear tonight. But you know what? My boss the other day, whenever I was praying, my boss put this sermon together for me in a few minutes. So if you don't like it, uh, text him. His number is 777777. So that when they bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David, wow, danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord. Good Lord, they wouldn't message people, was they? With shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through the window and saw King David. Good Lord, he wasn't in the message. Leaping and dancing. We'd have put him out right now. We'd have said, who in the world is he? King David. Little David, play on your harp. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What was it, Harry? It was God driving him. The move was of God. <laughs> oh, my. So Michal looks out the window and she sees him. Oh, boy, she got so mad. He was leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So the move from Shiloh to the city of David. Now it had not yet reached its final place, but this was another chapter that led it closer now, for those of you that have seen pictures of Jerusalem or you've been there yourself, there's this little spot that lays right outside the, the city walls. And whenever they reconstructed it under the Muslims, they didn't build it in. And the two guys that was the architects of that, uh, once the king figured out what they had done, he gently removed their heads from off their shoulders because they left out the city of David. But I'm kind of glad they did because it's outside the jurisdiction of the Muslims. So they're still able to go underneath there and dig around, which, of course, they don't want them digging around to find their original identity. And all that digging out there, they just recently found some steps that went up to the holy place. And they found all kinds of different artifacts that's been hid in that city of David. And just dug up some uh, charred beams that had been burned in the time when Nebuchadnezzar burned the original temple 
that was built by Solomon. So it holds their identity. That's why the Palestinians don't want them there. Well, it's the same way with you and I. The Palestinian denominations don't want us digging around in this word. What they want us to do is just take the top of the ground. Some of the message people want the same thing. They want you to just run around on the top and stay right there. But let's dig a little deeper, brother. Let's dig a little deeper, sister, until we find out. We go down past our creeds. We go down past our denominational ideas and we go back to the foundation of the world and say I was in him I was a thought I was an attribute I come from God I'm going back to God boy the devil don't want us digging around in that so David says I want to build God a house I want to build him a house and the prophet Nathan said David do all that's in your heart for the Lord is with you but that night God came to the prophet and he said you go tell my servant David he has blood on his hands he cannot build a house for my name but he will have a son who will build a house for my name First Chronicles 22 5 and David said Solomon my son is young and tender and the house that is to be builded for the Lord Harry shared this scripture with me a while back must be exceeding magnificent. goodness I can't even hardly say that word <laughs> exceeding magnificent of fame and glory throughout all the countries now you imagine some of them old timers sitting there when he said that. What did he say? Magnetic. What did he say? It's pride. It's arrogance. It's all the devil. Thank you, Jesus. I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Chapter 29, verse 1. Furthermore, David the king said unto the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now have I prepared with all my might. Now listen what he got up. For the house of my God and the gold for the things to be made of gold and silver for things of silver and brass for things of brass and iron the things of iron and wood for things of iron. Onyx stones and stones to be set, glistening stones and diverse colors and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Now if you'd have been sitting there and you'd have heard this. What would you say to your wife on your chariot way ride back home? Can you believe that? We're leaving a tabernacle made with skin. Ain't even got no doors. Well, we've never had no windows in that tabernacle. What do we need windows for? We ain't never had no gold nowhere. I ain't never seen no silver glistening stones. What more we need glistening stones for? It's vanity. Why the law 
will never meet us there. So some of y'all might be surprised to find that you're a Jew in your pedigree. <laughs> Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. Some people have no problem living in a million dollar house. And they don't care if God has nothing but a roadside tent or a storefront is good enough for God. You mean you love your own hide more than you love God? <laughs> Brother Donner, the Pope's going to get it. Well, if he gets ours, he's going to get a good one. Well, praise the Lord. That's exactly right. We're going to have it. Praise the Lord. I hope when we get over there, the glory of God comes in that place to where I can't even preach. I hope we have such meetings in there from people coming from around the world and visiting us that the power of God will shake us and shake them and shake that community and do what God wants to do. I ain't looking for a big building. I ain't looking for a big crowd. I'm looking for a big cloud. I'm looking for that into another stage of our journey. Close one chapter of my life and open another. Mm. Hallelujah! David said, I have set my affection to the house of my God. I have of my own proper good of gold and silver which I've given to the house of my God. Over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Even 3,000 talents of gold and the gold of Ophir. 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses with all. The gold for things and silver for things of silver. Boy, he's tired, carried away with this gold stuff, ain't he? And work to be made by the hands of artificers. So he didn't go down there and say, hey, you want to work for me today? I can't do nothing. That's fine. It don't matter. It's just the church. But they found the best guys they could find. I imagine if they didn't do it right, they fired them. You ain't putting no trash in this house. Boy, you won't do it for yours, but you don't care about God's, do you? Boy, if they get your tile out of square in your bathroom, you'll put the rollers under them. It don't matter about the house of God. Well, it matters to me. Who's in is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord. And the chief of the fathers and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of the thousands and of the hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly and gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents, 10,000 drams and 10,000 of silver, 10,000 talents, of brass, 18,000, and 100,000 talents of iron. 
They wasn't going to big lots to get this stuff. They wasn't going to the Amazon shop, you know, shop over there on South Rhone or whatever that is where you go in there and go through all them boxes and stuff that's been returned and see if I can find a good deal for God. <laughs> but if you wouldn't use it in your house, you shouldn't bring it to the house of God. Look, friends, I wonder about our attitude sometimes. Do we think we deserve better than God? Well, I reckon if y'all don't want me to preach Sunday at the Holiday Inn, you can get somebody else, I reckon. And they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord by the hand of Jelehiel, the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced that they offered willingly. Now something got a hold to the people. You know, they might have got to count their little onyx and their, their pearls and their little diamonds and all Goodness gracious, I hate to give that up. Mama, give me that. And I got that off that Egyptian when I left out of there. I always wanted to get even with him. I sure hate to give that to the house of the Lord. But something struck them. It struck them when they realized, oh my goodness, I can keep this for me. And it may benefit me a little bit and go to my son or go to my daughter. But if I give this to the house of God. Can you imagine now? When Solomon and the people of Israel get ready to dedicate this place. Some of them no doubt went, well, I don't figure nothing's going to happen. This ain't nothing but a bunch of pride. Honey, I'll tell you one thing. We don't need this kind of place. Lord have mercy. God won't even show up. Well, let's see what the Bible says. Second Chronicles 5, 11, And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified. It did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph. Now you remember reading in the book of Psalms when David would dedicate a psalm to Asaph and the sons of Asaph. Well, he's one of the main choir leaders. I mean, these old boys were good. So they had Levites, they had preachers, they had singers, they had musicians. So they were all of them of Asaph and Heman and Jeduson with their sons and their brethren being arrayed in white linen. Oh, listen here at this band they had. Having cymbals and psalteries and harps. Lord, they were in the church of Christ within 5,000 miles of this meeting. Symbols and psalteries and harps and they stood at the east end of the altar with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding trumpets. Goodness. So they had symbols, they had psalteries, they had harps, they had trumpets. Lord have mercy. And they started singing. There was Oesai. Maybe he was leading the lead and there was Heman and he was doing the, the tenor and there was them other guys and they was doing the baritone and the bass and they started singing glory to the Lord God. Blessed be the name of the Lord and the trumpets kicked in and the psalteries kicked in and the harps kicked in and the priest started saying well glory there were not a bunch of dry hide preachers sitting there but they started worshiping God and the saints of God started praising God and you imagine them saying praise the Lord praise the Lord they wasn't praising the gold they wasn't praising the silver they wasn't praising the blue and the purple they're praising the living God I'll tell you friend if you're under a tree or if you're in a family 
worship God if you want to. And it came to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud. Even the house of the Lord. I wonder what the skeptics thought then. Because you see, before the cloud hung over the tabernacle, but this time it goes in. Hallelujah. The Shekinah of God was not now hovering on the outside, but it goes in behind the veil. And listen what happened. So that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. So I wonder after this happened, how many wanted to go back to Shiloh. There's some folks sitting here that whenever we built this part of the church, those of you that don't know, when I came here years ago, that over there was the church. The fellowship hall was the church. And we got to growing and growing and needed more place and more parking. And then we decided and the church voted on it to add on and with the property that we had. But sad to say, there's some sitting right here tonight that didn't want us to do it. Uh -uh. And they just knew that when we done it, God would leave scared to death that God would never show up again but he did your witnesses that he did now Carol and I with some other saints a couple of years ago stood in Shiloh now it's a great place They have a beautiful place built there. But what remains of the tabernacle? Nothing. It's a place of sand and stones. And they found a synagogue over here and another building over there. Actually, the day that we were there, they had just dug up a capital, a Roman capital, which had been laying there for 2,000 years or whatever more. And they just dug it up that day we were there. And I love that stuff myself. I know it sounds crazy, but I like that stuff. And we were just standing right there watching them as they were taking their paintbrush and digging it out. All these intricate carvings by hand. And there we were at Shiloh. No house of God. The only praying was done was us. The believers on that Israel tour. So our guide began to, whenever we come in, and he started asking us a few questions, and they kind of check them out, I guess. So he started asking us some Bible questions. Well, of course, all the Bible questions he asked, we had all the answers. 
So he looks at us and says, you all are real. Now I thought, isn't that something that he deals with all kind that ain't real? But how do he know the real ones? They knew their Bible. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. You all are real. The man was so moved because he knew there was something about us that was different. Was it our hair? Nope, it wasn't just the hair. It wasn't just our dress. It was something about our behavior, sure. But it was the answer from the word. And that man never having met us before and may never meet us again. But that living word of what? The message of the hour. It wasn't that we were so much greater Bible scholars. It's because we'd sat under the ministry of a God sent prophet of Malachi 4. And it had took us right back to that original word. Oh, let me close. After the kingdom of Israel was divided, Jeroboam, king of the northern tribes, erected calf altars in Bethel and Dan for the worship of the false gods. Shiloh fell into ruins and came under the judgment of God. Psalm 78, 59, when God heard this, he was wroth and greatly abhorred Israel so that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent which he placed among them and delivered his strengths into captivity and his glory into the enemy's hands. Yet Shiloh was the first place God put his name. Jeremiah 7, 12. But go ye now unto my place which was in Shiloh where I set my name at the first and see what I did to it for wickedness of my people Israel. So if the place itself was holy, how could God destroy the place? They're fixing to turn this nursery right here into a coffee shop. I know some of y'all is going to start coming here on Sunday nights because you want coffee. <laughs> Changing your membership, huh? So is it this hill that's holy? Are these blocks? Is this pulpit? The paint? It's the holy God with his holy people. Can you imagine the first place where God chose to place his name and yet God so smote it. There's not one piece of that tabernacle have they ever found to this day. But here's pottery here. Here's mosaic floors here. Roman capitals here, here, and here, and here. And where was the presence of God? Well, I can tell you where it was two years ago. Because we gathered in a little crude place there. And we had a lot of prayer requests. So we all gathered there, the believers, on that trip. We gathered there and started praying for different saints. Now our guide was a Jew. He was an Israeli. But he'd been around message people before. So the last day of our tour, in the very last moments that we were together, he was fixing to go to the doctor, and he needed to make a hospital visit. And he wanted us to lay hands on him and pray for him. 
Why? The living God. And here we were standing at the arch, Brother Joel, that had fallen down and they just found it a few years ago. Wilson's Arch. It had fallen the day that Titus had marched in and we were standing on this little precipice and those gigantic walls where was laying their stones, some of them 60 and 70 feet long, one stone, and they were 15 and 20 feet high, 12 feet square, and had a Roman OG cut in the border of that stone by hand. One stone, one rock, and we were standing right there, and the God of Israel that was there and used to dwell in that temple, and there the God of Israel was standing veiled in human bodies as we laid our hands on a Jew and asked God to have mercy on him. What was it the glory of God that come right down there? We know what happened to this temple years later. The Spirit of God left it in the Ichabod. And then what happened? The glory of God come on the earth in the form of a man, Christ Jesus. And when he left the earth, what happened? The Spirit of God come on the earth in the form of Peter and Paul and James and John and that bunch of apostles. And God said, I love this church so much. I'm going to send a prophet back in the last days and he will restore the hearts of my children back to the face of the original apostolic father and once again I will live in human beings I will heal through their hands I will speak through their mouths I the Lord God will veil myself in my children and where they go they will build an altar Shiloh, you have served us well. But we move. We move to another chapter. Hallelujah. Will we leave with tears in our eyes? Oh, yes. When we leave precious memories, we will. But I plan on making new ones. You ever wonder why the rear view mirror in your car is not the size of your windshield? Now, wouldn't you be in a mess if your rear view mirror was the size of your windshield? Please let me know when that happens because I don't want to be driving the day you're on the road. Why is the rearview mirror so small and so tiny? We can spend all of our time going back, going back, going back. Well, it's good to look back, sure. Look back. Oh, I remember. I remember. Yeah, me too. But I also have got this big windshield right in front of me. Praise God. I am under such anticipation and expectation. Praise the Lord of what our Father is going to do. You love Him with all your hearts. So tomorrow the brothers will come in and take our microphones and our speakers. And I walked in my office tonight. And <clears throat> my books were taken out of the bookcase and Boxes are sitting around in the floor. Trucks and trailers and a few things will be here in the morning about 8.30. And the brothers will be gathering up the organ and keyboard and the drums and 
all these things and they'll be moved to a new place. And for us as the people of God, we will take our Bibles tonight and you'll be checking around where you are and looking underneath the seat there, you know, and make sure you've got everything that belongs to you. Be sure and take everything that belongs to you. So when you get where you're going, he will be there with you. And don't think, well, I'm leaving my angel here. Your angel goes with you where you go. The presence of God is not going to stay here. I'm grateful for these folks that have let us use this building. You know, they let us use Wednesday night on, on September. I pray God blesses them for that. They didn't have to do that. They did that because of the kindness of their hearts. And I appreciate it. Don't you? Amen. I'm grateful. I'm very grateful. <clears throat> but we're taking our God with us. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you enough for this little simple song. You remember the other day whenever you showed it to me, and I just, I was just so overwhelmed. I thought, my goodness, how striking, how beautiful. As much as I've preached through the decades, I never even thought of such a thing before. But that's the way you are. You're the one that holds it anyway. We don't hold it. So here we come to the last song will be sung here shortly. The last prayer, on, on our part anyway will be prayed. So I'm closing out my last sermon that I'll ever preach here. And Lord, we leave with mixed emotions. Oh, I think of the folks that's got saved, folks that's got the Holy Ghost, how many people's been healed, how many things have you done? But Lord, I want to leave like David, shouting and rejoicing and saying, praise God. I wonder what he's going to do over there. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. Lord, that's just the way I look at you. I think that you love us so much that if it comes to a place and the pressure gets so great that we have to shut that church down and have to start meeting in basements somewhere, you'll show right up in them basements. Whatever we got to do, wherever we go, you'll go with us. And we'll follow you. Because we're your bride. I remember my little wife years ago when you spoke to me out there in Liberty, Kentucky when I was praying in those woods and you remember. You spoke to me and told me to go to West Virginia and to start working with Brother West. It broke my heart. It broke Carol's heart. My mom and daddy, our families. Lord, my wife never kicked against me. She never fussed, argued, not one time. And Lord, whenever we moved there, and we moved in that old house that was so far up in the hollow that the sun never even hit the front porch. And I left her and Lish there by herself for days, out preaching and going. And Erica was born there. How many lonely hours did she spend? Just her and Lish being small. And then after a while, a newborn baby. But she went with me. She's my wife. We're your wife. Where you lead us, we'll go. If it's to Shiloh, we'll go to Shiloh. If you move us to Shechem, 
We'll go there. Wherever you want us to go is where we'll go. We'll follow you, Lord Jesus. She told me the other day, was reminiscing and thinking about that place. And I told her, I said, I know it was so hard on you. She said, Donnie, it was some of the hardest days of my life. But Lord, you was with her and you helped her. And I thank you for doing that. Lord God, as we come to this new stage of our journey, we're looking for you. We would be afraid to go without you. We'd be afraid to take one step in this life without you. We need you, Jesus. Help us, I pray, Father. For every individual here tonight, we offer prayer that you would help them, Lord. Visitor, whoever they are, deal with every heart, we pray, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I wonder how many of you tonight, maybe you're from one stage to another in your walk with God. You'd like to be remembered to the Lord. Lord, remember me. Remember me. Maybe God is wanting to bring you up higher from Bethel to El Bethel. To where you get your eyes off of a certain building or a certain man or a certain woman or whatever. And you get your eyes on the God of that woman. So many people get their eyes on a preacher. And they want to follow a preacher here and there and there. You need to get your eyes on the God of that preacher. Not the preacher. Because all men will fail you. All men are humans and they will let you down. That's exactly right. And you make an idol out of a man. And God will allow him to make a mistake in front of you. To get your eyes off of him. So don't do it in the first place. Keep your eyes on Jesus. How many like to be remembered tonight? Let me just offer a word of prayer for you. Heavenly Father, as we have our hands uplifted before you, maybe some of these folks, Lord, are moving from Bethel to El Bethel. Maybe they've been 10 years or even longer than Jacob was. But tonight is their night. Something is spoken to them. Something is dealt with them, Lord. And they realize they need... To move up. It's not so much maybe that they need to change states or change cities or even necessarily change pastors or anything like that. They need to change their stride, their walk with God. They're dragging. They're just going too slow and they need to pick it up a bit. Sometimes that's all Bethel is. It's just picking up our pace because we're falling behind. Help us, Lord Jesus. Men, women, boys, girls, each person that will stream this service. I pray for the sick tonight, Father. In the name of Jesus, as we offer prayer. Lord, I pray what I saw the prophet saying yesterday several times over and over again. And he likened demons and sickness as it was to the Red Sea. And he said that you look down through that Red Sea with fiery eyes. And the Red Sea got afraid and rolled back. And he said, may the sick. He was praying over prayer calls in a few of these prayers. And he said, whenever the prayer cloth is laid on their body, may them demons get scared. And may they move back. That that believer can move into the land of health. Lord God, in the name of Jesus. As we join our faith together, may the presence of the Spirit of God touch every needy person here tonight. May they move over into the land of hell. May them demon spirits hear the prayers of the children of God. 
and see the blood of the Lord Jesus, may they get afraid and move back. We worship you tonight, Jesus. We bless your name, Father. Sing something. Can we just worship him for just a minute before we let you go? Our last time to be together here in this place. So let's just worship him with all of our hearts. Let it be a memorial a few moments for us as we go. I love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For your mercy never fails. Never fails me. In all my days, I've been held in your from the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me.
say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What, a, what a final service. Amen. And you joined me here tonight. Wherever we go, he'll be right there. I believe that with all my heart. We'll let you be seated just for a few minutes. Brother Darrell, I want you to come up here just for a second, buddy, if you will. I remember Brother Darrell from over yonder. Just a young boy. A young, young man.
for us to just join hands tonight. Everybody just join hands. Let's make a commitment right here and now. Where we go, we're taking the Spirit of the Lord with us. At whatever it costs, we're taking the Spirit of God with us. Brother Darrell, come and offer a word of prayer for this congregation. We love Brother Darrell, don't we? Appreciate him very much. Amen. Praise the Lord. Kelly, it's such an honor to be able to serve the Lord with you folks. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so grateful tonight as our brother has so preciously brought it to us, Lord, and made it so clear. Lord, that this building and this this pulpit, this piece of wood, Lord. It's just where we gather. Lord, that the God we serve is only in the building when we bring Him. For the God we serve dwells in our hearts. For Lord, You is above man and with man. But Your desire was to be in man. And Lord, we are grateful for that. Father, I pray tonight as we come to the end of these services, Lord. We are so grateful that we're not leaving you here, Lord. But you go before us to prepare the way. Lord, you said that where I am there, may you be also. And Lord, we believe that to be true. And Father, I I thank you, Lord, for each person that's represented here tonight. God, I pray that may you dwell in each heart. May you be the God of their heart, Lord. And Father, I want to thank you for so many wonderful memories that you have given me here at this building, Lord. For I believe I was five years old the first time I came. Lord, you have brought us so far. And we thank you, Lord. And now, Father, as we close out this chapter to begin anew, may we take the zeal and the desire to serve you with us, Lord, and may it grow, dear God. Father, there, Lord, in that place that, that we will gather May great signs and wonders be wrought at the hands of the believers that they may know that thou art God and that you live among your people. That you keep every promise of your word, not 99 times out of 100, but 100 times out of 100, you keep your word, Lord. And Father, we can rest assured of knowing that you said where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be in their midst, Lord. No matter where that building is or the location of it, the promises of your word are true. And Lord, I pray, Father God, that every person within the sound of my voice, may they be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, may you be with each one, Lord, that we may serve you until that day, Lord, that either they lower us into the ground or you change our bodies in the twinkling of an eye. Until then, Lord, may we be faithful, we pray. Bless Brother Donnie, Lord, his ministry. Bless his family, God, we pray. Bless each head of the household here, Lord, each family we ask. We just love you, Lord, and we thank you.
Thank you for this place called Happy Valley. For truly, Lord, we have been happy. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, we press on. We press on. Amen. Amen. Brother Michael Bailey's going to come at this time. I, they've got that worked out just uh, the way they want it tonight. So he's going to come and and take take this part of it, the service, and for the pictures. We love Brother Michael too, don't we? We sure do. Preach. Preach. <laughs> I know when Brother Donnie seen me walking up here, he said, oh no. We got uh, just a couple of group uh, pictures we want to do, but before we do that, is this this morning still working? Okay, I want to get a real quick pictures of our musicians. Before you do that, let me let me just say this, Brother Michael. When I first saw when I first saw that little piano, I said one of two things has happened. We either got a little piano, or we Larry has gained a whole lot of weight. <laughs> we love Brother Larry too, don't we? Amen. That's it. That's all I got. Now, I'm going to try to, I guess the best way to get this group's picture, I'm going to try to do a sphere picture. So everybody just, if you can't see my camera, it can't see you. So when I'm taking the picture, just make sure that you can see my, my phone, and we'll try to get everybody in it.
now I need a young person who has a good camera to come up here and to back me up on this. Who's got a good camera? Jesse? Paul? Who's got a... He loves telling me what to do. If that's a video, we're going to have to have Grandma mean to watch it. <laughs> okay, uh, the next group is uh, the Roan Hill group. Uh, if you attended Roan Hill, uh, if you'd come up at this time. And I guess as we get bigger, we'll just start trying to stand up on the steps and up on the ground, keep everything as, as close as we can. So everybody from the Roan Hill, we need to get their pictures first. Some of them need to get home, get in bed pretty quick. So, <laughs> Not my mama. She's... she's Come on over here and steps. Some of you can get up on the steps and lay her down. <laughs> I'll just use hand motion. Some of you get up on the steps here. Right here, we're getting a picture in the middle. See, everybody in this picture is not old. Me and Cheryl. Okay, everybody just stay where you're at. Everybody that attended the old church, Happy Valley, come on up and we'll get continues to add to this group. Everybody attended... The old Happy Valley Church. Yeah. Squeeze in. Everybody start squeezing in. You may have to back up, Nate, on this one. 
you got some, if y'all want to come up and get on the banisters here, that'll make it a whole lot better. be good. I think everybody's above it. Let's see. Do the people in the front need to move or are you good, Nate? No, I think we're do a panoramic. Okay, do a panoramic. Go fast. Okay, everybody can sit down. <clears throat> Nate, I still need you. Stay there. This time I posted, uh, we're, we did a picture of the youth uh, Sunday, and I reposted it. If you were in Brother Darrell's youth group picture, we need you all to come up right now. Everybody needs to come in on the on the steps. Squeeze in, squeeze in, squeeze in. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Hold on a minute. I, uh, Martha, I thought Jesse Sacker said his parents wasn't born during this time. Is that correct? I just checking, Jesse. Okay, you guys can sit down. Now, I think the uh, the present youth are wanting a picture, so if all the the youth would come up, we'll try to get their pictures. Squeeze in when you get up here.
I think you should. Yeah, c come on down. Come on down on the front here. Move on down. Move on down. Stand on the steps. We got some that can move down in front of the banisters too. Yeah, come on down. Some of these people's not going to be seen right through here. So come on down. Some of you guys can come right through here. You still can see you're real, real good right here. Hey, I'm real proud of our young people, you know. <laughs> Time was to Terry, that's her church right there, you know. And uh, I'm sure, I guess, I think that's all the, the group pictures that we have to do. And uh, I guess if your families, you want to need to take some more tonight, uh, you can do it after we dismiss. But uh, Mom... She gave me some old papers about two weeks ago, and uh, some of it was my uh, grade cards in high school and stuff, you know, straight A's, stuff like that. <laughs> Just, but uh, one of them I opened it up, and it was, um, 
an envelope, I opened it up, and it was my dedication, February the 6th, 1965, at Roan Hill. And uh, I just, you know, these are special, special churches, you know, people and everything. And, and after we sold the church, uh, they called me and said, well, we've, we've sold the church, you know, and it kind of hit me that day, you know, it, it, it's just real sad for me in a way. And they'd ask if they could start working over there on the fellowship hall and the, the Sunday school rooms. And I, I went downstairs and they had just gutted the whole, the whole bottom. And uh, I just, you know, my, my mind was flooded with memories of the kids and stuff. And they had the, the floor joists were open. And, and my dad died when I was eight, so I don't have a whole lot of memories. But I was just looking, I was thinking, my, my father's hands have touched these rafters. He helped build the church and Cecil and many others, Jack, you know. And it's, if anybody could have sad memories of leaving here, I'm one of them. But as sad as it is, I am so excited for what the Lord has gave you people. This is one of the most giving people, churches, in the message. And I believe the Lord has rewarded you people through the years for doing that. And, and I'm sure Brother Donnie is, is with me. I've got just a little taste of what the Lord has brother Bram said the gates have done been hung you know they're wiping everything off he's he's it's completed and he's in anticipation of his bride going into the city and i, I just can't imagine what he feels because i've been working on a building brother donnie's been working on a building for you all and we know what's in store for you i mean we got a four-year you don't have to push people to get out of the way to get out you know I'm so excited of the new Sunday school rooms for the children. You know, we've got a, a, a place for the young people, a safe haven for everybody. And for the young people to go there and fellowship, you know, and play ball and everything. And our new auditorium, you know, special meetings start coming back. Our brothers and sisters can come in. We can actually have church together. You know, and I told Brother Don many years ago, I feel like, Really, this new building will revitalize our church. You know, the, our last uh, Christmas play, we were standing out on the porch trying to get in, and they come and asked me if I would announce people that's already uh, have eight, please get up and leave so the other people can get in. You know, there we won't have to. We can gather. We can have a whole church function when we need to. So I, I'm, I'm just excited to death for you. You know, and I just can't wait. And you know, people say, I bet you're getting tired of this. It's been two years uh, this September since we broke ground as far as they started putting up the, the fellowship hall. Uh, I mean, Bradani's been working on it four years. It was two years in paperwork and dealing with the city and everything. So we're down to months now. And uh, I really, I, I'm just so excited. And I know what the Lord has done here. And, and we're a book of Acts. There's no way, man. We leave here, the Lord's blessed us, we continue that book over there. So, there's nothing else to say. I'm, I'm just so excited, and I believe everybody will when they get there. So there's been some walking through, coming over the, you know, the youth meetings we have, and walk through and seeing what's in store, but I just really believe it's, it's going to be a great blessing. It's going to revitalize our whole church, special meetings and everything. So, I'm just so excited for you, and so...
uh, as far as uh, family, some family pictures that uh, you'd like to take here in the auditorium and stuff like that, can we have your permission, Brother Donnie, to maybe take some of those photos with some of the families if they want you to? You. <laughs> you are our pastor. <laughs> And we won't, we won't keep you long. Let's all stand. If, you're, if you don't want to do any family photos here in the auditorium, you're dismissed at this time. If you want to take a family photo with Brother Donnie and Sister Carol. Sister Carol, is that all right with you? All right. We'll, we'll linger just a few minutes for that. We won't detain you too much longer, okay? You're dismissed. May God bless you. Go in the fear of the Lord. Brother Harry, you guys play something while they're being dismissed. We're gonna keep pressing on